What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing well. This episode is going to shed a lot of real light on being a stylist today, how to build a clientele, some advice for stylists today, stylists who want to build their dream clientele, some advice for stylists who maybe are going through some serious hardships, for stylists who can't find the right salon home or who have been let go or who have dealt with some toxic shit in their career. This episode, listen to the end because there is so many valuable moments. Uh, Just doing the interview, I was like, damn, this is valuable for the beauty industry and no doubt going to elevate the beauty industry. Number one, by giving some great valuable advice. Number two, for letting stylists know you're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not. And um, I'm really honored to share this interview with you. Listen to the end, enjoy it, let us know what you think, and don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family, especially if you know a new stylist who really wants to build their dream career and take this career as far as they possibly can. Share this episode with them. Greta Wagner, you are an amazing mentor, you're an amazing woman. You're an amazing businesswoman, and I'm really proud of you, and it's an honor to hear your story, and thank you for sharing it with my audience. I know they are going to absolutely love this. Thanks, Greta. up everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. We're back again and today I have the honor of introducing you guys if you don't know her already to my good friend and my co-stylist at the Network Salon. She's one of our renters at the Network, Greta Wagner. I've known her for a really really long time. She is a Connecticut-based hairstylist and educator. She specializes in lived-in and low-maintenance hair color. She's so great at what she does. And she's got a great business, and she's a really awesome person. And I, again, just love her story. And I can't wait for you guys to get to know her. So welcome, Greta. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for um, including me in this project of yours. I'm so grateful. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be great um so I wanted to just like introduce my audience to you and we're gonna chit chat and talk about your journey and really give like the new stylist and the the seasoned stylist any anyone in the beauty industry give them um you know some valuable tips because you're a very successful hairstylist I mean it's not like you brag about it all the time like I literally will see you like crazy busy in the salon I'm like you're amazing like how do you get all these beautiful clients like all of her clients like look exactly like what a lived-in balayage specialist ideal customer avatar would look like and I'm always just honey roasting Greta and she's just like thanks but like you know you really do have a great business and you've been through a lot and you know, you have um, a lot to offer the beauty industry and I'm just really excited. So tell us about yourself, introduce yourself to my audience and, you know, take it away. Tell us your story. 
Thank you so much for the hype. You're so kind to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been a hairstylist in Connecticut for six years. Um, I went to school at Ricky's Tony and Guy in Newtown, Connecticut. Um, really loved my time there, loved my instructors and everything. Um, was really like blessed to get to know them. Um, and I have been in five salons in six years. <laughs> And um, I'll go into a little bit about um, what like got me there and like why I was changing and um, a little bit about um, how I kept my clientele throughout that. I've been really blessed and lucky to be um, booked out um, 12 weeks currently for the last um, about like two or three years. Um, and I specialize in lived in low maintenance hair and I see my guests about every um, 11 to 12 weeks, which is um, super ideal for me and my clientele. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So being booked out 12 weeks, that's great. Especially when it's 12 weeks to, you know, maintain that color. Uh, so that means you probably have a ton of clients. And again, they all look like the client that you want to see and they're young, beautiful. They're on Instagram. And, you know, so many people ask me, like, I would say the number one question that I get from stylists is how to get clients in the chair and how to get started. And, you know, I think that it's something that people really need to hear and, and just advice about like how to get there. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your journey, like, how did you even get into the beauty industry? So in uh, middle school and high school, I struggled with terrible skin and I had horrible acne and, um, I was made fun of it a lot and like bullied and, um, was my self-esteem was so low. And I got really into makeup because I was like, this is the solution to feel better about myself. So I got really into and passionate about makeup. And I thought like, I want to be a makeup artist and this is it. And I um, fell really hard into it. Um, so, and I had a, DSL cam a DSLR camera and I would take pictures of everything I did makeup wise. Um, close up and I would just play around with it so much um, in my free time and I would post it on Facebook um, and Instagram had just newly been introduced so I was posting it on there too and um, I would have these girls reach out to me on Facebook that I'd never even met like some in like the next town over or I don't know maybe a grade above me or anything like that like I've never met them they'd be like oh like can you do my makeup or uh, this dance or I don't know, like little like school dances or if they're going somewhere and I'd be like yeah sure and I'd have my parents like who are these girls coming over our house <laughs> like there's four of them on like a Saturday night and I'm like oh yeah I, I met Ashley off of Facebook and I'm doing her makeup and they were like what and I would do makeup in my room for ten dollars a face and like that's how I got into it and I would do free trials and it wasn't like I had any like business background or anything. I just knew like, this is what I like to do. And I want to get a lot of practice at it. And um, yeah, I, that's like how I got started into it. And I thought I really wanted to be a makeup artist, but um, now I don't really touch it anymore or wear it that much. But um, yeah, so then after um, high school, I just really never pictured myself going to college ever. Um, I just wanted to do makeup. The thought of hair, like people brought up hair and I was like, ugh, like hair, 
that just like sounds boring to me. I never got my hair done. I was a hair virgin um, up until like almost the end of hair school. Gina gave me my first color. Um, of, <laughs> remember that? I thought I was so cool. I had five highlights in my hair. I thought I was so badass from it. Um, I'm so glad yeah, I made so- you feel that way. <laughs> it was, it was, like Gina like meanwhile I was like bleaching out people's whole heads and here I am with five highlights I'm like wow I'm such a cool hairdresser now <laughs> but um yeah I never really had that experience so I went to hair school out of like I just need a backup and my first day of hair school they went around the room um and asked like what your name was and like why you were there and like why you wanted to be a hairstylist they got to me and like anyone in my class could attest to me saying this I sat there and I said you know, like, I don't really picture myself doing hair. I really just want to do makeup. And I'm just like kind of doing this as like a fallback. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? And like people were there like, oh, I knew I wanted to do hair like since I was three years old. And then there was me being like, eh, not really. But um, as I got more into school, um, I really ended up loving it. Um, I, all of my people who I did makeup on trusted me in hair school to like experiment on them. And balayage was the huge thing. I had people, I'm in hair school for like four months and I had people showing me like guy tang balayage and small pictures. And I'm like, um, okay. And you know, like as people pleasers, we'd be like, yeah, I could try to do that. And um, lots of trial and error there, but I really fell into balayage and low maintenance hair color and um, was really into like improving every single time I did one. So then, um, I really just fell in love with it that way. I love it. And I knew you in high school, like you were a grade below me. So we never went to high school together. I don't think like you were in my brother's grade. So you were like a couple grades below me, but, um, so, but I knew you because of Facebook and I would see all of your pictures and I'm just like, Greta's a savage, like Greta's just like slinging makeup everywhere. And, um, you know, you're like the queen of social media before it was even a thing. Like you were posting everything on Facebook and you built a clientele on Facebook. And I can relate to that because I was the same way. I, all I wanted to do was share and share and share, especially the progress, you know, like where I started and where I was, like, I was so proud of like my progress and I would share and share and share. And I can totally relate to that when it comes to building a clientele and, you know, um, starting on Facebook. And that's great. Like you're literally so young and you're just like casually like doing makeup in your room. Your parents are like, what is she doing? (laughs) I knew of you the same way too. Like I always saw Gina's name everywhere, um, locally on Facebook. Like she was a big name around, um, our town about doing hair and everything. I just remember like seeing people's prom pictures and stuff being like, oh, like hair and makeup by Gina. And I was like, wow, like Gina really is like, she was known for being like a hard hitting hair artist and um, around our place too. So that was really cool. And it's so funny that you thought of me the same way. But yeah, I was obsessed with putting my life online. Me too. And, and our art too, like that was what we were good at and what we love to do. And we have somebody in common. We have Caitlin in common which, you know, she was my hairstylist, um, colored by Caitlin. I talk about her all the time on here, but, um, and all the podcasts that I do, um, anytime I guest on anyone's podcast, they're like, how'd you get into the industry? I'm like, well, Caitlin colored by Caitlin was my hairdresser. And she convinced me to go to Paul Mitchell. Uh, and I went to, uh, Paul Mitchell, the school and she was my stylist. She was so professional. And now she's like one of your mentors. 
And it's just crazy how like Connecticut is dope. Like there are like a lot of really good stylists in Connecticut, like not to toot our own horns, but just, we have a lot of talent in this state. And to go back to what you're saying, when I first finished beauty school on my business card, I put the hair doctor and Gina Bianca hair.com. Like the first salon I worked at, um, the one, the salon that Caitlin worked at, there was no job. So instead of like working there, I showed up for free, washed dishes. And I was like, let me rebuild your website. Um, and I learned how to build a website and I learned on, she had bought her website. I had built it. And then I learned how to build a website and then I built my own. So like I had already been like branding myself since beauty school. Um, or I, I had a website and she wanted a website. So like one of my skills that I got that like fake job where I was just like volunteering, working for free was because I had a website. I don't know if that makes sense, but I was branding myself. Like you knew of me because I was branding myself since beauty school as my name. And I feel like you were doing the same thing on Facebook. You were just putting it out there, putting it out there. Like you're not waiting for someone to tell you to do it. You believed in yourself enough to just do it. Yeah, it's um, so funny that, that like we weren't even like, I don't know about you, but like we weren't even like um, doing it like purposefully. Like we just like kind of fell into it because we were like just so obsessed with like putting it out there and like letting people know like what we did and what we were about. And then like things just kind of fell into place because I feel like like once you put like that passion first of what you're doing, then it all like falls back into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember just seeing you hustle, 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 um, forever. And then you worked at GBH for a hot second. You did your proms there. Yes, I was, um, getting my haircut by Gina and I was, um, previously I was always doing like makeup in my house and whatnot. And then, um, I was in hair school and I was like, Hey, I like want people to like, take me more seriously. Like I want to be like in a more serious environment. And um, you were like, how about you come do it at the salon? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so um, I came to the salon. Um, I'd leave like uh, hair school early a few days and on like Fridays and Saturdays or not. Yeah, Fridays and Saturdays, whenever prom was. And I would um, do a couple clients there. And it was awesome because like they took the appointments from me. Like I was in a professional setting um, and that was a really cool experience too. And then I'd watch you guys like kill it at prom hair. Oh my God. Yeah. We remember at GBH, it was like standing room only. Like when we had that small space, we had days where yeah, it was people just, just like, like pile in. Yeah. That wouldn't work today. <laughs> <laughs> Not in today's times. No, no. Yeah. And then we didn't end up working together back then. Um, it didn't work out, which, you know, I always was pretty mad at myself about that because you wanted to work at the salon. And I had this like whole thing of like Paul Mitchell only graduates only, um, because we had had so many crazy experiences. So I was just like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then like, I had always regretted that as a leader, like I, I was always be, I always was just like, that was the, and I was taking advice from like someone else too. Like I had so many opinions in my head and I talk about this all the time, like having so many opinions, it really makes it hard for you to like be an authentic leader. And like, I always, and I messaged you like quite a few times, I think. And I was just like, I'm, I fucked up like, and to watch you grow over the years 
you know, it hurt. I love to see you grow, but like, I always like regretted that decision. Like I never really regretted any like hiring, firing anything, but, um, you know, letting you go, I was just like, I fucked up and I knew right away, but I was kind of just like, okay, maybe this is just how it feels. And then flash forward and we finally work together. And I just feel like the timing now is so perfect, but, um, you know, definitely I fucked up. I love you, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> love you too. No. So, um, when I was in hair school and I was like assisting you, I don't know, like it was never even said that like I would be working at your salon, but like in my young dumb brain, I was like, oh, it's like a given that like, I'm gonna work for Gina and I would like go around my hair school thinking I was like so cool because I got to work with the hair doctor and Gina had this name for herself and everyone's like oh yeah you work with that uh, Gina Bianca girl right and I'm like yeah I do and I was so proud of it um and then like when it didn't work out I like took it so personally when it wasn't personal whatsoever and um I kind of felt like I was like starting from scratch a little bit to find like my salon home. And I felt a little bit lost because now I'm like, I made myself at home in school. Now I have to like go into the work world. Like, where am I going to go? Where am I going to belong? Um, but it, like Gina was obviously just doing what was best for, um, you're just doing what was best for your salon and your business and your team. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have not done well at GBH, like with like a Paul Mitchell basis. Like I didn't really have like, even how you guys measured color, I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> um, you would have like, been I don't, perfect. I don't know. Like, Honestly, you would have been perfect and amazing. It was all me. And I would not have like been, I regretted it forever. And we're talking about it here because, you know, sometimes as leaders, it's like you make, sometimes the timing isn't right and something will happen and it sucks. And for me, that choice of like, you know what, we're going to stick with people only who graduated with Paul Mitchell because we were a Paul Mitchell focused salon and it was cult like, and it was very like one way. And we had had like five bad experiences that had nothing to do with you, not one fucking thing to do with you. And then it came down to it and I was just like, yeah, I'm not sure. And then I made a stupid decision, which that, like you said, I was doing it for my business at that time which, you know, it is what it is, but I did regret it. I did. I watched you soar and shine and you killed it. And I'm so proud of you. And now we get to work together and I'm just like fucking grateful because, you know, you don't know what you have until you don't have it. And then lucky enough for me, we reconnected and you, I feel like we have a great relationship and we work, you know, you belong at the network hundred percent, but the timing I feel like now is fucking amazing it all happened for a reason. And like, that's like anything I could tell any discouraging that um, they really wanted to happen another way, but it didn't like, it's just not for you yet or it's just not for you. And you just have to keep going and just know that um, like you say it all the time, it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. And I could like everything in my journey that things happened to me that I thought were absolutely devastating. I'm like, this is devastating to me and my career. And like, how am I going to come back from this? And it all happened for a reason. And I could not be any more grateful for how anything played out. <laughs> I think that's really good advice because sometimes things don't happen in the way that you hope that they do. And it happens to me too. Like, you know, I, a lot of times things will happen and, and 
the door will close and I'll get like really upset about it or I'll think like it's me there's something wrong with me like I did the best that I could and you know I really beat myself up about it but it's just guiding you and I always say rejection is God's protection and when I love when you say that and when you feel like you're being rejected you're really being redirected and you you definitely built your business like I feel like you know, you, so what happened after that? Like, where did you end up working? So I, it's or what so was funny, your situation? Like, um, my boyfriend. So I had felt like just a bunch of like rejection at that time from like, that didn't work out me taking it like mad personally. <laughs> and then um, like me and my um, boyfriend at the time, I've been with Austin forever. And like, we have like a little like, we like broke up for like five seconds and I was like screw this hi Austin Austin's great love him (laughs) (laughs) um but like we had had like a tiff and I don't know like just like those two things like building up I was like screw this I'm gonna go work across the state so um I went and worked in Westport Connecticut which is an hour and a half away from where I live and um I did go to school in Fairfield County in Connecticut so I was like everyone said that's where like um it is a very um well-off area so of course like in any well-off area there's going to be amazing hair artists because um that's where people want to go see the best of the best around there and like where people come in from New York City and whatnot to get their hair done or live if they work in the city so um I went there for about a month I hated my drive I remember thinking like I hope I get in a car accident so I don't have to go to work. That's where my mind was at. Like I, and I was just, I wasn't allowed to touch hair for like two years. I would just be washing hair and folding towels. And I just like, after being so hands-on in school, like doing hair in my house, like I did not want that for me. And I had no time because I was commuting um, almost three hours a day um, and I hated my life. So then I went to, um, my hair school was actually connected to a salon. So the um, owner of the school also owned the salon, um, Dan Riccio. Thank you, Dan, so much for everything. Like you're an amazing man. <laughs> so um, one day before I went to work in Westport, I had like a later shift. I drove to the salon um, in Newtown cause it was on the way to Westport. And I stopped there and um, I said to everyone, I'm like, where's Dan so I could beg him for me to work in the salon next door and they had offered me that job but I had already took the Westport job and it was like a big deal to get invited to um the salon next to the school from school so I he was doing a haircut and I left him this weird note (laughs) with the front desk because the front desk was like no you can't talk to him like he's with someone so I I'm like give me a pen and paper so I wrote this note like Hi, Dan. It's Greta. I stopped in. Here's my phone number. Can you please call me? Would love to work with you, Greta. Love it. (laughs) Like a psycho. And I'm like, he's going to think I'm crazy, but like, I'm so desperate. And my teachers were like laughing at me, but I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. And um, I went to work late (laughs) and got a speeding ticket. It was great. (laughs) So, um, then he ended up calling me back and he was like, yeah, like you could come back in. I actually just like had someone leave. So this is perfect. And I was like, thank you, God. So now I just have a 35 minute commute 
And I worked there for two years and it was just like your standard commission salon. Um, a lot of them booked on the half hour um, and double booked. And that was really stressful for me, um, especially because I was doing a lot of like balayages and like, you know, like things are a little bit more intricate than like your partial foil and haircut and root retouch. Um, so luckily they bent the rules a little bit for me so I wouldn't have to double book those kind of services, but it was, um, it definitely gave me a good foundation of like how to um, work efficiently. Yeah, you can't double book and like triple book and work on 30 minute into intervals when you have like four hour, five hour services. Totally. And like hairdressing for them, like it hadn't like, I feel like we were just on that cusp of like hairdressing was evolving to something that like more seasoned stylists haven't seen. Like um, there's more steps to colors now, like products more expensive. Um, like it just, everything takes more time. It has to sit on longer. Um, it takes more time to apply. It's a lot more intricate. And people who do work on the half hour, like I have so much, um, I have, um, I'm just like, admire that so much because I would, I was so stressed out even watching it happen and unfold, especially if someone's five minutes late, like that, that would throw your whole day behind. Um, yeah, but it was, um, and then I got a little stressed out doing it and, um, I just wanted to do things a different way. It wasn't that like, um, and I was so thankful for my mentors there. I really appreciate them. Again, Dan, if you ever hear this, thank you so much for everything. Um, and he gave me such great building blocks for building a clientele. That's amazing. Yeah, you have a great foundation, Greta. Um, and I love that it's like a lot of it is self-made, like with your makeup and building yourself and all of those things. And you said that your clients who you did makeup on, they trusted you to practice on them. And that's where a lot of your clients do. A lot of your clients, like they started coming to you with makeup. Yes. And I still do some people to this day that I was doing, I had not met them at all except through Facebook. And then they came to my house. I did their makeup and like, we didn't know each other whatsoever. And um, now I still do some of their hair, like to this day that they still trust me and they trusted me throughout hair school and stuff too. And that to me is just like, so cool. Like when I think back on it, it's really a relationship business. Absolutely. Like hair is like, honestly, like any service industry, like it's a true, like, um, human to human connection, um, is so important and, um, just like being fun. Yeah. Now, how did you build the clientele that you have? I know you had a really good start. I know that, um, you know, that good start came from your hard work, like, you know, in your art, you know, it wasn't just like you walked into a clientele what advice or like, you know, people are always asking me, how can I build a clientele or how can I build the clientele that I want? Because a lot of people say like the one thing missing from their dream career is the right clients. So what advice would you give? Or are there any like, um, are there any tips that you can give to stylists or um, new stylists or people just starting out, you know, really people who want to grow their clientele, what advice or what steps do, did you take or do you give them to do that? Um, when I was first starting out, um, a lot of people really expected, put a lot on the owner to bring in clients for them. And 
there's only so much they can do for you. And the best advice I ever got was that you have to run. Um, now I actually do this when I rent, but um, you really have to make it your own business behind your own chair, whether you work for someone or not. And I really had to take, so I had to take initiative to get the things that I love doing. Out of fear, I did not want a full foil because I was really bad at foiling. I did not want a short haircut. I didn't want a men's haircut. I was so terrified of getting these things I wasn't good at and didn't enjoy doing. I really wanted to fill my book out of fear with things that I love doing and I was good at doing. So to do that, no matter what I did, um, I took a picture of it and I posted it so that everyone knew like, you know, what's funny, like, I don't even like I wasn't even like, good then or anything. But when you're posting that you do it, and you keep posting that like, hey, I do hair, everyone sees it. And then if anyone needs anything to do with hair, they're like, oh, hey, like, I saw this chick does hair. And here are her pictures, like, because it was in their face for so long. And this is a lot how marketing works now. And I didn't even realize it then. Yeah, I, um, if I could add to that, um, you know, before back in the day, like when Coca-Cola would do an ad, you know, if you see an ad like four times, you'll remember it. And nowadays with how much screen time we have and how much, uh, how much there is in the space when it comes to products and advertising, you're not going to remember someone unless you see it like 16 times. So if absolutely. you're posting and you're like, I post too much hair or I'm posting too much, or people are going to get sick of this. Like you're not posting enough. Like literally, like I was posting five videos a day when I was building my hair page and it was five videos a day of me doing hair. One minute videos from Instagram. Now it's like three minute videos or the reels are easy. But like back then it was like, you know, the one minute clips taking one guest and turning into one minute. And I wanted everybody to know that I was a hair educator. So it took me posting hundreds of videos for people to remember me as a hair educator. And same for you. Like when you go in and you say like, I do hair, I do hair, I do hair, you know, people, they stop because they're like, I'm annoying. Like, what do you Never say? To, what do you say to someone who's just like, oh, I'm posting too much? Well, so you have to think of it like maybe six years ago when I started, maybe then people would just walk into a salon without doing any research and be like, hey, I think this place is good. Let me get my hair done. Maybe something intricate. All right. Like everyone thought that like every hairdresser could just do any kind of ombre or any kind of haircut or whatever. But now six years later, boy, have things have changed. Everyone is doing research because we have everything at our fingertips. I've had people come to me because they're like, well, I know so-and-so does hair, but they don't have any pictures or they didn't have pictures of what I wanted or, and that was their disadvantage. And that was my advantage. So if you're um, not posting enough, or if you're, um, if you're shy about posting, don't be, it's your hair page. Who cares? They're probably following a thousand other people anyway that are in their feed. You're not the only one on it. Um, sometimes I literally think about like, family members that follow me and they only follow like 10 people. I'm like, wow, I must be like clogging up their feet. Haha, <laughs> how funny, but, um, <laughs> but who cares? Like you do hair, like this is your thing, like own it. You have to own it. Um, and yeah, you have to be there for people to do the research. If you Google something, how likely are you to go to the first thing that goes, comes to the top of your page? 
people pay big money to be on the top of the page of Google. You have to think of it that way. Um, so yeah, don't um, have any shame in posting a lot. You have to do that to um, have an edge. Like I said, like in Connecticut, it is, the talent here is insane. There is an insane amount of amazing hairstylists, amazing intricate hairstylists, cutting, coloring, whatever. Um, you have to do um, enough to stick out. So if you're not posting or if you haven't posted since May 2016, you have to get on that because then if someone does research, they're going to be like, oh, she's stale. She's not posting. Stale. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that harsh? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be stale. And maybe if you have a lot of clients and like you're fully booked, like that's amazing. Like maybe you don't have to post on Instagram anymore, but this is totally geared towards the people who are probably freshly out of school or maybe you moved and you have to rebuild. Like you have to take these things into account. Like if people are in the market for a new hairstylist, what are they doing? Um, town Facebook pages, people are like, hey, I want highlights. Who do I see in Southington, Connecticut for highlights? Then you see 500 hairstyles being like, me, 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 here are my pictures. Like, and they're going for it. And they're like advertising themselves. And that person now has all this research at their fingertips to make an educated decision on who they want to see. And even if you're busy and you don't need clients, I still recommend posting a couple of times a week just to stay relevant because if you're not promoting for new clients, and I know that we close our books from time to time. And I know that when you're booked, like you are Greta, like 12 weeks out, I know that you had your books closed for a while, but you really needed a price increase. Yeah. So you really um, <laughs> needed a price increase and you closed your books and I'm not going to, I I'm like against closing books because the three ways to grow, but like you needed a price increase and we do it and it is what it is. Um, but you know, even if you're like, you never stop posting though, like you can, you're really good at building demand. Like you're really good at making it like, Oh my God, when her books open, I'm in like, you know, so, and now you're taking new guests here and there. Yeah, so now I'm trying to take new guests here and there. Um, it's, I don't know, you know, it's so funny. Like, yes, I was fully booked, but then I still posted. So now it's like funny that you bring that up. But I think um, I really want to be relevant for like brands. Like um, Willa has been really good to me. So like being relevant with brands and like PR packages and things like that, um, that you have the opportunity to get. And um yeah, just, and my clients actually love the experience of getting their picture taken. <laughs> if people are leaving and it's like nine o'clock at night and it's like pitch dark out, they're like, are you going to take my picture though? Like people are looking forward to the picture. Um, it like makes them feel special. It makes them feel good. Um, they like love seeing their hair like on my page. And I don't know if there's like, um, I've like seen them have like a sense of pride over like having their hair posted somewhere from like anyone, which is really cool. And like, um, if you have the, are able to do that, like that's a great way to up their experience. Yeah, um, they love it. I'm so lucky that my really cute clients um, post their um, selfies after they get their hair done by me. And that even gives me more exposure to their friends. So it's like a referral without even like saying anything, just like posting it out to their friends you had showed me like when you were taking pictures, you were holding the phone for them like Kim K style so they could take their own selfie with the ring light. And I was just like, 
you're living in like 2030. Like I didn't never even had thought of that. And I've been doing this forever. And then just seeing you do that, I was just like, I need to get it together. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> and that is that a tip, tip I learned from what's that? Just that one tip is like, oh, so good. That's something I learned from uh, Maine Ivy, Michelle. Um, she's a hairstylist in Arizona. She is incredible. Such an amazing educator. Um, if you don't know, like, the name Maine Ivy, you've most definitely seen her photos around because such gorgeous Arizona girls that <laughs> she has. And she showed us, like, that's how she gets these amazing selfie shots of these girls, like, with their faces in it. She said they'll feel more comfortable if you get to see, if they get to see their own face and pose. Um, I have a um, Canon uh, camera that the I actually got because the screen flips out so people can see themselves. I've been doing that such too. such a game changer. Yeah, I got a camera too. And I've been doing that with my guests and just doing a few selfies with them and they love it. And then you can see what it looks like. So you're automatically more like comfortable, more playful and the pictures come out so much better. Totally. Because especially like everyone's always like, don't get my face, don't get my face, do not get my face. And if they like, um, they'll freak out over it. So they want to have some sense of control over it, but they're really going to feel themselves and you're going to get the best photos if they're able to um, see themselves, which is amazing. I love that. That's such a good tip about like, you know, building your clientele and gathering that content you know, you have to take pictures, you have to post, you have to own it, like you're a hairstylist. Um, and you have to go out and get it yourself. You know, that's, that's huge. Um, you have to go out and get it yourself. Most definitely. You can't be waiting for your salon owner. You can't be waiting in the back room being like, why aren't my dream clients walking into the salon right now? Like, this is completely on you. Like whether you're working under someone or working for yourself, I really strongly um, urge everyone to take photos if you're trying to build your clientele and you want people of like the things that you love in your chair, you have to put that out. All I did was post pictures of balayages. I didn't want to do vivid. So if I ever had to do a vivid or like was forced into doing a men's haircut or something, I was never going to post that because not what I want in my chair. Whatever you want in your chair, post that. So don't even post everything that you do. Only post what you want to do. Yeah, like if you're building and like I also like I strongly urge you if um, if you are building and you have gaps in your books, I would strongly urge you to um, take whatever you can say yes to everything. I had to be so uncomfortable and say yes to things I did not want to do, but it was filling my books and Maybe if I'm doing a men's haircut, maybe his wife is looking for, maybe his wife is looking for a um, a new hairstylist or a new colorist. Or if you're doing a vivid, maybe her sister wants a balayage. You have to think of those connections because um, someone who's not your ideal client, maybe they know someone who is. That's such good advice because there's the people who, you know they just will refuse or they don't want to take anything, but they don't see the opportunity of just building, like just having anybody in your chair is a huge opportunity. It doesn't matter if it's exactly what you want. And I know that we live in that like instant gratification culture, but like in reality, like it takes time to build and it's not easy. You know, I started my, uh, I built my clientele on Groupon. It was a fucking nightmare. It was awful. Oh my that's, God. That's I had how, too. Yeah. But that's how I learned like, Jessica used to do like full highlight gloss haircut blow dry for $73.
which is insane. Yeah, and people, and like, who do you think buys that? Of course, like, some, people with um... long, extra curly, <laughs> like, hair that, like, usually people upcharge like $500 for. Those are the people who book that. So I literally would have to, and that's the only clientele I was getting because I lived an hour from my job. So like my friends and family weren't driving. I would threaten people and they would come and see me and everything. But like, it was not like everyone was just like flooding through the doors. The only Paul Mitchell focused salon was the one that I worked at. And that's where I wanted to be. Like I was totally cult minded Paul Mitchell and I still like appreciate my education, all of that. But like, you know, I was totally like into it to the point where like, I only wanted to be around that. And, um, you know, that's the only clientele I was getting is Groupon and she would have some other people come in. But when I did the Groupon guests, I was able to break down a ticket, explain the upcharge. Cause I wasn't getting paid. Like yeah. I was barely getting paid. I was getting paid like $30 off of these like crazy transformations. So like in order for me to get paid and fill my gas tank to drive an hour, I had to learn how to talk to clients, break down a ticket, upcharge, and like life is not happening to us. It's happening for us. Like, what do I do now? Like now yeah, I'm like an expert of pricing. <laughs> I'm like an expert <laughs> of pricing because I had to literally claw my way to, to making fucking $20 an hour, you know? So it, it's, it's not easy all the time. And like, no matter your situation or like where you are in your career, like if it feels like it's not fair, it's all happening for you. You just have to see like the light side of it. And like Greta's just said, like you said, Greta, it's like, just because they're not your ideal customer doesn't mean they don't know them. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be open-minded to everything. Like I totally, um, I love this whole movement of empowered hairstylists, but I definitely see some people taking it like the wrong way of like, like when we did, I did Groupons too. And guess what? I still have a customer who pays my full price that I met off Groupon six years ago. <laughs> her name's Katie and I love her and she is so sweet. And now I do her and her niece's hair. Um, and we always joke that like um, she was I can't believe I met you off Groupon and she was really in the market though for looking for a new stylist and she told me she had a bad experience with her last stylist that like wouldn't really talk to her and was kind of cold towards her and um, I took that as like a learning lesson of like she said the hair was like okay but like she was really upset that like she didn't really have a connection with this woman and I took that as like a learning experience of like wow these people like it doesn't even matter like the kind of hair that you do. Like it matters what kind of person you are too towards them. Yeah. And building that connection, you know, I was, uh, I was, I got, had like a little bit of a wake up call, you know, on my social media, like we were having con like, there's always conversations happening on social media and you jump into them and, or you're reading the comments and it's whatever. And people are talking about like politics and religion and like all of the things that, you know, we're not supposed to talk about. And, um, in hair school, they teach you don't talk about these things. And I saw somebody comment and it's kind of like that, like aha moment you had when your guest was like, I want a connection. Someone was just like, you know what? It's a relationship economy and I want to have things in common with my stylist. So the more connection I have, the better. So I, that shook me. Cause I was just like, damn, like she's not wrong. Like it's a relationship economy. So when you post about all of your views and beliefs and stuff like that, like people do care. 
you know, people will not, Um, if they don't connect with it, that's just another reason. It's like, you know, staying, staying neutral is great. Like it's not going to cause a stir or anything. Like, you know what I mean? It's no one's telling you go out and share all of your things, but like people want to have that connection. And it's really hard sometimes. I know I'm bringing this up like out of left field, but like, it's hard because like people will ask you while you're doing their hair. And it's like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? It's like, you really have to learn. Um, people want that connection and, um, you know, you have to be careful. It's definitely an art that like, I'm still mastering, um, as well. And redirecting conversation is always amazing too, especially like everything happened with COVID. Like this is such a politically sensitive time that we're in right now too. And, um, I can't imagine having like a bunch of new clients, like putting on, like wondering what your beliefs are or trying to put, um, their beliefs onto you. I'm so sorry if you hear that in the back, like that's my cat playing with boxes, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my God, but, um, yeah, like you have to, um, I try to still stay connected as much as possible without like, but definitely like rule number one in hair school is like no religion, no politics. And I did work with someone who was at my first one who was very, um, very strongly opinionated uh, politically and it caused a huge stir and a ruckus in the salon and it upset a lot of people. But so I always like, oh my God, like I could never do that no matter like where I think I am in my career. Yeah, I guess like literally like if you're the type to put it out there nonstop, like your guests will notice that. And if they don't feel a connection to it, that's just one reason they'll leave you. So anytime you say something that doesn't jive with someone, they want connection so bad. And it's like a relationship economy for sure. People definitely want to have that connection. I completely agree with you. Um, And I think I, um, I wrote down my notes to you like before we started this like on our topics like I said to people um think about someone that's not that fun to hang around with they're kind of a Debbie Downer they're not that fun to be around and like I don't know you don't really want to like if you had to hang out with them you'd be like okay is that someone that you want to get your hair done with for three hours and that you want to like hang out with like every couple weeks to get your hair done no so um you have to think of someone who's fun to be around, very lighthearted, good all around. And um, that's what will help you like maintain those relationships with people too. It's just like keeping it, um, keeping it real with them, but at the same time, like making sure you have like your professional boundaries up as well. Yeah, you're on stage. What other advice can you give to stylists who are building right now? Anything else you wanna add in? I had um, these preferred client cards that my first salon had as a promotion and anyone who was your preferred client that you liked doing, it was a service you loved doing, um, you would give them this card and it had like a one, two, three on it. And their first three times with you, they would get 20% off their service. And my boss's um, ideology around this was that after three times, they're going to trust you. They're going to get to their hair goal. Their hair is going to be consistent and they're going to be yours. And I still have so many people from um, this promotion I did. And they're like, oh yeah, it's like 20% off. Like that's amazing. And I think it did bring some people in the door for like their second or third times. And um, again, like that really helped me like carry on my relationship with these people because it's hard enough to get people in your chair, but it's all about keeping them as well. Because especially like 
in today's like instant gratification world, um, you need to, of course, we're like, hey, these are expectations for our session one or our first time, or I'm like learning your hair, or maybe you have something that's like, we have to correct or fix haircutting wise or color wise, whatever. And then they need to continue that trusting relationship with you to get them where they want to be. And three times is a perfect amount for people to be like, yes, I trust her. I've had a good experience. And um, now like they're yours. I love Not that. yours, you don't own them, but. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think that that's um, a good goal to have. Like even Robert Cromines, and I always talk about his 16 disc set or 17 disc set that I bought at like freaking IBS New York. I saw him like roaming around IBS New York when I was like, in 2009 out of hair school. And I was like, I love you. And he had this CD set for sale and this CD set changed my life. And I listened to it over and over and over. You can't even get it anymore. And I'm missing like a ton of CDs. So if Robert ever hears this, please send me another one if you have it. But he would even say like, when starting in a salon, like I pay you 35% commission on my reputation and 45% on your reputation. And after they see you a certain amount of times, that's your reputation because you kept them. So I think that like when you're in the salon and you see your guests multiple times and you get to that point where it's just like after the third visit, it's like, you know, it's a, it's an accomplishment. The first, the first time visit is like the hardest because it's like, all right, are they going to come back? And you have to, you know, at GBH, we did like guest callbacks. We followed up with them, make sure they love their hair. Then they come in the second time. That's like, you know, the next test. And then once they're in the third, fourth time, it's like, all right, great. And then it's, it's all about retaining them and showing up to your appointments. You know, like you said, in a great mood, you know, you're, you're on stage professional, like being the stylist that you wore on that first visit too. Because a lot of the times we take it for granted. Absolutely. And another thing I remember, like when building a clientele, it's like a little bit overwhelming, especially when you're seeing all these new faces and you have like all these new people in your chair and who in their career has ever gone up to someone that they've done before and said, hi, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> I have. I have. It's too. horrific. It's the worst feeling ever. Um, and I don't know anything like more insulting I can do to someone. So now I've made it a habit to always say, no matter what the first time seeing them, the last time seeing them, I don't care. I always say, it's so nice to see you. Me too. Never say it's nice to meet you. So nice to see you. Cause you know, what? a lot on social media now and stuff too, like we see people on social media. So like if I see them all the time there, I feel like I've already met them almost. So I just keep it at so nice to see you. And um, you always want to remember one unique thing about that person. Um, you can remember their job, what their husband does, um, you know, like anything, like anything unique about them. Not their formula, um, something unique to their personality. Exactly. Which um, formulas you could also like probably rattle off probably maybe better than names some days. I know like, but even if I can't, like if I'm not good with like names some days, I'm just like. I know that um, she went away in April to Cancun for two weeks, <laughs> like, um, and then you could always go off of that. And people are like, how do you remember like this or that? And like, it's really not like I'm super consciously about remembering things about them. It's just like those unique things that like stand out and um, you have to build off of that. And that also helps you like create like that relationship with them so that they can have a fun experience, like 
talking to you about like what was um going on i'm also amazing at remembering dating stories and i'm like so last time i saw you (laughs) you went on a date with john and like how did that go i love it yeah i was always the type to like remember their formula and i was so stressed out with my business so um I was so stressed out all the time doing hair because I was way overbooked. Um, I had the salon, I had like a million things going on. So it was really hard for me to be present with my guests. And I remember watching you, oh my God, <laughs> I would watch you and there was this big steel table that Gina had. And I keep bar. talking about you like you're not here, that you yeah. had. <laughs> no, you can do it. I, it's actually great because I love to hear how other people see me. <laughs> No, so I remember um, you had that like big um, metal table at the color bar because like you guys don't like people like sitting in front of the mirror because like who wants to look at themselves with like a bunch of color slapped on their head and um, there would be like four guests at it and Gina would go around and consult with each guest all four of them and then like the um, her um, your employees would go around and like mix up like the formula that you formulated for them and you would basically do like four people's hair once and somehow floated around doing it like it wasn't stressful I was stressed out watching it because I was like I could never do that but like you would just be like oh yeah like this formula for this person this formula for Jenny this formula for Sarah and I'd be like oh my god it was pretty amazing it was pretty amazing it was insane yeah, it was really amazing. And like, I think about it now and I'm just like, damn. But like, I, I lived for it. I lived for it. I love to be busy. I love to be needed. Um, and I just like, I wanted money so bad. Like I was like, definitely like a finance first hairstylist. You know what I mean? Like, especially with the, when I opened the salon because like we were team-based and it was so expensive to like have so many people. So like I was my revenue that I brought in was like what I paid people with. Do you know what I mean? So I was and to always do hourly like, is crazy. Yeah. I paid everyone hourly at like around 40% commission when they weren't even doing hair. Yeah. That's wild. Like we I remember would, some of my paychecks were like not even a hundred dollars. Cause I'd have like three haircuts that yeah. week. <laughs> I was paying people like $17 an hour minimum. Like, and a lot of like, once they started doing hair, it was like, I would pay people 10, 10 an hour when they started. Actually, if they were in school, I paid 10, 10 an hour with a Cosmo license. I paid 1250. I believe that when you have a Cosmo license, it's 1250. And that was way above minimum wage. And then once I think minimum wage down was like $8. Yeah, it was cheap. Um, so I paid like a fortune to these people and I educated them and I trained all of them like fucking I trained like I was like very present more for my staff than anything with training. Um, and then from there it was 1250 and then it would go to 14 or 15 an hour. As soon as they were like doing hair and I didn't have to babysit them 14 or 15 an hour. And, um, then depending on their number, so their pre-book productivity, their retention, like I would look at those driving numbers and it would go from 14 and I would jump to 18 and then I would jump to 22 and then some of them got up to 30. And that was consistent 38 hours a week, great paychecks. They didn't even have to do anything. All I asked for them was, um, to post on social media three times a week. That's amazing. Yeah. Like I literally, they were working really hard behind the chair. Don't get me wrong. No, I, you guys were jamming. Yeah. But that I paid hourly and I jumped, I always wanted to pay 
as much as I possibly could, but I didn't want to do commission because the mindset with commission was kind of like, Oh, you build your column and then you take it with you and leave. Um, like it's more me, 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 me. And we were team-based. So like, for me, I was like doing one person's hair and then someone else was shampooing. Someone else was cutting. Someone else was blow drying and two people were curling. We were all taking pictures, ooing and eyeing. It was like a whole experience with like a whole team. And, um, that's why commission would never work at GBH. But when I was doing four or five clients an hour and all of that stuff, it was like hard to be present with them but I would always remember the formula. Like I was walking with Alexandra at the trail the other day and this client who I used to see like six years ago, she was just like, Gina, is that you? And I was like, Oh, Hey, Madeline, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I remembered her name because, um, she was like friends with my friend. Um, she wasn't just a guest. She was like friends with my friend. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, and then we walked away and I was like, yeah, her formula is eight and 20 volume highlights and then nine NB nine V gloss. And Alexandra was like, what the fuck? And I was just like, yeah, like I like always remember formulas and I never wrote them down. I coach to write formulas down. I never wrote formulas down ever, like barely ever. Like by the time we had systems and procedures at GBH, like two and a half years in, and I had a front desk team, um, we had work tickets. So like they would come and yell at me and be like, write this formula down because then my clients started seeing other people so I had to write them down, but for most of my career, I never wrote down a formula. I always remembered them. And, um, I think going back to like where this whole tangent went off, it's like, you remember something unique and special about your guests because you're present with them. And I think it's really important to like, especially if you're an independent artist, which I know a lot of people listening are going from beauty school to booth rental. And you have so much stress when it comes to filling your books, managing your clients, dealing with the stress of like the consultation and the pricing and all of those things, your business, your bank accounts, like all of those things. And it's like, it's hard to be fully present with your guest. So just making the time to work on your business and get your business under control uh, so that you can be present and enjoy your craft because a lot of people stop enjoying it because it gets too crazy and there's so much going on and it's hard to remember all those special things. I'm lucky that I was um, able to kind of like urge my first salon, like, look, like I can't be like double booking these services. If I was double booking balayage and like um, color melting or anything like that, I would not have any of the time or brain capacity to remember those unique things about my clients whatsoever. I was able to take that time because um, at my commission salon, of course, like they let me have like that time for just one person. I had like two and a half hours at most for um, like a, uh, a specialty color service like that. And then I had like all that time for my guest. And then I went to rental after that and I was able to take even more time for my guests and everything. So then I was um, always able to be conscious of that. But yeah, if I was working that way, um, I would not be able to have that connection. And a lot of, um, now that hair has changed so much, now that services are changing so much in the direction of um, what people are wanting and expecting, we can't be um, double booking or triple booking ourselves like that anymore to have like that whole experience because there's gonna be someone else who doesn't do that. Um, I do have some friends who like, um, they do double book, but like, they're amazing at it. They float around like a little butterfly <laughs> and, um, like, um, Caitlin colored by Caitlin. She used to double book, um, specialty color services and she never broke a sweat. She was never stressed. She always did it so gracefully. That was me. I'd be acting like the building was burning down. <laughs> 
um, because I was never really like fully (laughs) exposed to doing it like that. My God. Um, So some people like really like love that pressure and they work well under it. Some people don't. So I think you really just have to find like what works best for you because your guests can sense anything they could sense you being sad there's some people I've like had stuff going on and I'm like okay you gotta get yourself in check you're gonna put a smile on and you're gonna go greet your guests and they just know me so well now they look at me and like are you okay your energy is off so you really have to make sure that like you're really showing up as your best self like inside and out to um take your people and to like um put yourself give them like the best experience you can Yeah. You have to really take care of yourself and put yourself first because you're absolutely right. They can sense it. And like we were saying before, like people want that genuine connection. They want that real authentic connection. And in order to connect with anybody and to connect with yourself, you have to be present. And if you're going to be present with them, you have to take care of yourself first. It really all comes back to putting yourself first and taking care of yourself. Cause if you don't, you're going to go put on that fake smile and they definitely 100% can feel it. Oh yeah. They, everyone could sense that, um, putting yourself first. I'm like so happy too that, um, the new hairstylist movement like that has been, um, so big now I've watched so many seasoned hairstylists who have been doing this for, um, 15 20 30 years um just like be crumbling because they're putting everyone else first and they're giving 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 and like but they think like they're doing this amazing thing for everyone and they are and like you are making a difference in people's lives like this is life-changing work it's amazing but but, um what use of that if you're crumbling under everything you're going through and like taking so much energy on and like not taking the time for yourself to decompress that out Um, I'm so happy that like the self-care movement is so big right now because now everyone's more accepting and you can say no, you're allowed to say no. No is a complete fucking sentence. I've had so much struggle saying no up until like this year. And I'll probably say that every year, (laughs) but um, is definitely... um, in art to be able to master like not feeling bad for um looking out for yourself yeah 100 percent. and uh you know you recently had an injury and yes. i remember when i got home from rehab we sat down and talked because i sat with all of you guys to be like hey by the way i went to rehab um so that we could like get on the same page because i was like i was like panicking because taking that time i I needed to take time off so bad that like God made me like I was not okay. I remember you were panicked about it. I was freaking out. I was like, the world will not go on without me. Like I, I, what you said in the very beginning of this conversation about social media, you're like, you're not the only person on their feed that hit me. It's like, you're not the only person in the universe. Like the world will move on, like just relax and like take a breath. But I needed time off so bad. I had to take time off. And I remember sitting with you as soon as I got back and I saw you, you had tears in your eyes and you were so like hurting because you were working and working and working, but you were in so much pain. And I just like that. I know that feeling and, um, being booked 12 weeks out and having to take time off. What was that like? 
I remember crying in the middle of this coffee shop <laughs> with Gina, just like, was like oh my crying God, about like angel. our um <laughs> my experience. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I'm so happy you took that time for yourself. And I think you set um an amazing example for everyone that um it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to take time for yourself. It's it's needed. And I think for everyone, there's gonna be um at least one time in your life where you need to step away and um really put these things in perspective and heal from it because otherwise if you don't take that time to heal um hurt people hurt people heal people heal people (laughs) like you can't um you can't have it spilling out onto others i knew i needed time off when i was so so i had a hip injury it was so funny because i would like see things about like hip pain like oh stretches for hip pain i'm like who the hell has hip pain (laughs) i didn't even know like that could happen in March, right, like a week after quarantine, I had this really dull feeling in my hip. And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, well, maybe because I'm like working out or anything. But it was 24-7, um, 24-7. I had this very dull, weird sensation in my um, left hip. I went to see a couple of doctors. They're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see anything, but let's send out these tests. Got the test back. Nothing. Went and saw a few more doctors. Nothing. I was like, I have something wrong with me and no one's telling me. <laughs> um, and then it went away for like about a month or two and then it came back, but even worse. And I just completely ignored it. I was working again at this point. Um, it didn't hurt me when I worked, when I was going back to work and everything, like it was fine. Um, but then if I was sitting in my car, I felt it. And again, just like the obsession of like thinking about it and being like, what is this? Saw more doctors, saw more chiropractors, everything. I ended up seeing this chiropractor and she told me that I had fluid built up in my back and there was like this huge inflamed piece in my left back and that I probably um, pulled either cartilage or a um, muscle in uh, my groin that was causing my hip to hurt. And the entire summer, I remember just like I was so down. I had such a great summer because it was the first summer I was working for myself again. And I was like, I'm so thankful I was able to have that time um, for myself and like with my family and my boyfriend and like be able to do fun things out um, in summer. So amazing. <laughs> but um, I was still so sad inside. I was so upset. And um, then my doctors and everything were like, you should really take a week off of work. And my therapist was like, you really, she wanted me to take a month off of work. And I was like, huh, that's hysterical. Like, you're so funny me take time off of work like even taking a day off of work sounded devastating devastating and um i i couldn't even fathom it because i'm i'm like i'm booked out 12 weeks where am i gonna put these people nowhere you had taken time off for covid like when we closed you didn't do hair yeah but when you could even in pain it was like asking you to climb a mountain or die or something. Absolutely. (laughs) It got to the point, it really hurt to work. And I just, there was like one day I had to, um, I just went in the back room and I just like cried after my last client. I just broke down and cried. And then I looked at my schedule for that upcoming week and I cried even harder. I was like, oh my God, I have 12 hour days coming up. What am I going to do? I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. And um, 
my doctors were like, yeah, I told you, you need to. I just kept ignoring it. And I was like, maybe I'm going to wake up one day and it's going to go away. I ignored it. Just went to all these doctor's appointments and was like hoping that like there'd be a different outcome, but there wasn't. So I took the week off and I just sent all my clients. I'm thankful I was at the network at this time because I had a lot of um, talent in there who could take over my clients if they still need their hair done. And I just kind of sent out a text to all my clients being like, hey, I appreciate you so much. Um, unfortunately, I have an injury. I'm not going to be able to work from this day to this day. Um, here are a list of my amazing, talented coworkers and their Instagrams. Another great reason to have an Instagram um, thing in case like someone needs to recommend you. Here are their Instagrams if you want to see their work. Um, they're all great. Here is their contact information. Um, let me know if you need anything. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to book you like, um, I like kind of made it like known that I wasn't going to be able to get them in like within two weeks or something of me being out. Cause I was completely booked out for three weeks and I work four days a week, but I work for like 10, 12 hour days and especially recovering from an injury. Like <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to like pile that back on and add another day. Everyone it's like, was... you'd have to add another day for, or two days for three weeks to catch up on that. Totally. And like, I just like knew that wouldn't be good for me and everything was fine. Like my clients were, I was expecting to like get yelled at for some reason. I'm like waiting for the knife of someone to like yell at me or tell me that they're mad, which uh, my clients are amazing and incredible. I'm so lucky to have them. They're all like, oh my God, take whatever time you need. Here are some resources I have to help you. <laughs> like they were so kind, like they were amazing. And there was some days, like there was one day before I took time off, it was a Friday. I was supposed to start at 8.30 and um, I woke up at seven and my hip hurt so bad and I couldn't walk. And I called my chiropractor begging them to uh, get me in. And they're like, you could come at nine. I'm like, okay, great, I don't care. And I had to move my whole day down an hour or like two hours. And um, they were, and I was like so nervous to tell them. And I'm like, oh my God, like how inconvenient the day of their appointment to move them by two hours. Like how are, like, how are they going to forgive me? And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, that's totally fine. Whatever you need to do. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you have the power to ask anything of anyone and they have the power to say yes or no. So you need to remember that. Sometimes it won't work out for people and that's totally fine. Um, but you have to respect them and they have to respect me. Yeah, it's not a one-way street. Which I always think in my head that it's like this one way because I've never taken time off for work ever other than COVID because we were all forced to, but. You know, I, I can totally relate to that. And as a salon owner, as a stylist, as any any role that I have, I'm always apologizing still. You know what I mean? Like even to set those boundaries, it's like you try to explain, 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 explain like, well, this is why. And like, I literally looked at my schedule this morning and I turned my iPhone on its side so I could look at the whole week. And I wanted to just be like, this is why, like nobody has any fucking clue. You know what I mean? And it's like, sometimes I wanna be like, well, I have to say no because this, 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 and this, but like, that's your schedule. That's your life. That's your time. Like you have to set your own boundaries and then you have to let go of the outcome. And I think it's really beautiful to like, kind of come back circle all the way back around this conversation of 
you built your relationship with these people for a really long time. You've been doing this for six years. You have strong relationships with people. You're going after the clientele that you want. And then when you need to make an adjustment to the schedule, or if you need something, you know, they respect you and they respect that. And I think that that's what everybody wants especially like, you know, in this business, we want our dream customer, our dream clientele. And I think it really comes down to building an authentic connection and yes, say yes to what you have to say yes to, to fill your books. But you, you have an idea of who your ideal customer is and you work really hard to get that person. And in the end, it, you know, they're there for you too. That real connection is key. Absolutely. And, um, I feel like I always have like so much, um, always like so scared to ask them like oh my god well I have a doctor's appointment and that's where it started too like having doctor's appointments and having to move people and being like I have to move them I'm inconveniencing them even like just sending out the text like I had so much shame around that moving salons five times in six years I had so much shame asking like just telling people like I'm so sorry I'm like uprooting relationship and I'm moving 10 minutes away and they're like oh it's like fine but it was like any little change I had to make for them um scheduling wise or um salon location wise um was always met with um so much discomfort and worry and like shame um but you have to realize like everything everything I do for myself is for my clients to give them the best anywhere that I go to work is to give them um my best self. So anything I do for me is to give my clients the best. Yeah. Let's talk about moving five salons in six years. Oh God. <laughs> I did that. I moved like six times and I totally relate to, you know, if it's not right for my guests, if I'm not happy there, I'm going to go to work, put on a fake fucking smile while I'm suffering and put all of that energy into their hair appointment. Totally. And that is not good. And um, I moved a few times like on my own accord. I moved a few times because, well, I moved like once because I had to, but um, I remember I met with um, Gina about working at the network and I loved my salon where I was at, but just with COVID regulations, I wasn't able to um, work as much as I wanted to. I was only able to work three days a week. And with catching up after COVID, like we, had so much to do and I was like nervous of my business being on the line of um losing clients and I was working at two salons paying two rents to um try to meet demand and I just knew I need to like con um consolidate things for financially yeah you had to put um, your business first and a lot of the times people like the same feeling you have inconveniencing your client to book a doctor appointment we have those same feelings around you know the places that we work and the relationships that we have but you know sometimes you just have to put your business first so that you can serve your clients and if I ever moved like 20 minutes away the first thing I would think of is like oh my god Susan lives this direction and it's going to be further for her to travel <laughs> like that's like the first thing we think of I don't know about anyone else but like the first thing I think of is like oh my god is this going to work for this person um because like um you can even move down the street and statistically like you'll lose clients and that's okay and um everything happens for a reason and for each person you lose there's going to be someone else and it's all learning experience but 
Um, the first time I moved was um, I was at my uh, salon in Newtown and I just, um, Caitlin actually, uh, colored by Caitlin, Caitlin, love her so much. She's one of my mentors. Um, she's incredible. I'm so lucky I had the opportunity to work with her, but she Facebook messaged me and she was like, hey, do you want to rent? <laughs> and I was like, rent, like that sounds scary. Like pay money to work, like, oof that sounds terrifying. <laughs> and I talked to her for about a year and we stayed in touch and we went to a Lisa Loves Balayage class together. Um, and we just became friends. And then one day I just had like a bad day at work with like things just like not going my way. And I was like, hey, I'm ready. So it took me a few months and I um, moved in with them at um, a salon that she um, co-owned with our friend, Anna. And um yeah, that was, um, I worked there for a year and then I got the opera and I rented for a year and it went great. And I love that I was able to like make my own, um, really take the reins of my own business, but I had horrible boundaries, no boundaries, horrific answering text messages at 11 o'clock AM, everyone texting my own phone, no, um, separation whatsoever, working crazy long hours, um, had like just working, like nuts to get people in. Why do we do that? People. What do we do? I don't we know. just we don't want to be abandoned by them. Uh, exactly. Like you, I was trying to buy love. Oh, you can't buy love, baby. No, nope. for sale. <laughs> and um, <laughs> doing haircuts and color, or like doing whatever people wanted for like seventy five dollars. Doing balayage just for like one fifty. Like just could not. <laughs> like just not sustainable. I got the opportunity to work for another commission salon that um, is known for lived in hair color. And um, I really struggled with like going or not going because working for yourself is amazing, but I also want a little bit more structure. I worked there for eight months and I was booked out, everything was fine. And then out of the blue, I got called into a meeting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like nervously laughing. and. Um, I was let go and that was one of the most devastating things in my career and it still is and um ew, I'm getting choked up <laughs> it's um you're good thanks for sharing it because this happens to people all the time and you know you've overcome so much Greta and um when I like ever talked about this anyone they're like when you told me about like your story I was like wow this happens <laughs> I felt like um, I was like, what is, I remember going up to like everyone who I had worked with and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, what did I do? Like, what is wrong with me? And they're like, nothing, this was wrong. <laughs> and um, they're like, this was completely wrong. And, and like, I just remember like crying to people, like, I'm like, you need to tell me what I did. Like, what did, what, what's wrong? Like, give me feedback. And everyone's like, nothing. And that was horrible. Like not really having closure for that at all that's the freaking um, worst that's like the worst feeling like when you have no and, closure and you just because like when you want to grow too and it's like what is it and I thought like it was like gonna be this great and it like sucked because I like pictured myself there for a long time and now that I look back on it I wasn't comfortable there I didn't fit in it all happened for a reason um again like I'm so happy with how all of my journey played out and my clients, and going back to what your old podcast on um, leaving salons, my clients knew what happened to me wasn't right. 
and they sensed that before anything even happened and they all followed me pretty much my entire book transferred over as is i posted um hey here i am now <laughs> um i called up uh, my friend lily crying to her being like hey i just lost my job <laughs> and she was like you are welcomed and i'll give you a key tomorrow and i left there on saturday and i started again on tuesday I was just so devastated. I know it's so funny. I went and saw a psychic medium and she told me all this was going to happen. And I thought she was full of it. She was like, you think you're like in the place to be right now, but you're not. You're not even going to be there for a year. I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? I'm not even going to be there for a year. And I, I was like, I don't, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She said that you're going to be working on your own again. And I see you going to California. I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? Um, I thought she was crazy. And um, and she said, but you need to remember that um, I get, my great grandmother had came through in the reading and she said, no one can take the talent from your hands. No one can take that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, then me, I, my mom drove me home after I got let go because I was crying so hysterically. Um, she came to come get me. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> then um, I my said, heart. oh my God. I was like, the medium said this was going to happen. I'm like, she said all this was going to happen. I was only there for eight months. Like, this is like, oh my God. And my whole book transferred over. And I literally thought like, Gina, I was like, my career is over. I have to start all over again. I worked so hard for this. I worked so hard for my clientele and I have to start all over. I was like, I was not myself. I was white knuckling through a lot of stuff and I was like working really hard and staying up late, like doing all this content and like whatever I could, but it was because I was so broken. And I know you can relate to this too. Like when you're so broken, you just like throw yourself into whatever you can to numb it. Yeah. So after that, my whole book transferred over, like I wasn't the first like three weeks I was um, in my new place. I wasn't really working as much as I was, like only a few people had transferred over, which was fine. Like I need to take it easy anyway. Cause like, I was not okay. <laughs> as I'm like shaking talking about this. <laughs> and um, uh, I got a text from my old boss saying that she was going to pursue legal action from me for whatever reason. Um, like, cause my clients followed me and I breached contract. I don't even know <laughs> like what it didn't make any sense to me. Oh, I, I had a mental breakdown. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. I had a mental breakdown. Cause then wait, so like thinking uh, I, of like, this whole story starting from like doing makeup in your room and like everything that you earned <laughs> and then going off on your yeah. own and then going back to commission and then going back off to your own, like what legal action? <laughs> Oh my god. That just shook but, me really quick. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. So you had a mental breakdown. All I could think of was that this person has time and money. I have nothing. And I called my dad crying hysterically. Um, I called um my friend Debbie, who owns the eyelash studio that I go to, iconic lashes. And um, she is such an amazing mentor to me as like another businesswoman. I love her. And I called her and I was like, I'm gonna like 
I'm gonna get sued. Like I can't, I can't mentally take this right now. Like I was like, I couldn't even drive home. I was like, just so, um, I'd gotten in my car, like ready to go after I took like two clients that day, just freaking out. And my dad's like, first of all, what do you own? You own a car. <laughs> he goes, are they going to take your 2013 <laughs> car that like has the paint coming off of it? <laughs> and I was I guess so. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, don't know how these things are going to go. I was devastated. Um, but then after like my mentors and my parents like put me in check, they're like, you're fine. Yeah. And I still had my clients and I was still able to see them. And I thought, I'm like, no one's going to come see me because I don't have mimosas. <laughs> no one's gonna come get their hair done by me because they used to drink mimosas once they got their hair done and now they can't and now no one can drink mimosas because you know what we're in COVID time so yeah I know I threw the there you go I threw it in the trash I was like we're not doing shit except water and ginger ale or now we have seltzer but like I was like we're not doing this anymore for like three years we're not gonna have coffee again (laughs) but um it was um oh my god like what a terrible mindset I was in but my um my clients were, um, re- that was such a huge learning experience though for client building. Like, um, I thought people were coming for the salon and people were like, no, like I found you and like, I was coming to see you. And I'm like, oh, like that was such a huge revelation to me. Cause I always think about like, oh, I'm in this cute salon and like, they have like this and this value. And like, that's what, people are coming for and it's like no like at the end of the day like people are coming for you they're coming for your personality they're coming for the hair that you leave on their head um and what like I thank God every day (laughs) I have chills Um, Greta like what a crazy journey that you've been on so many ups and downs, so many doors closed, so much rejection, so much protection though, because you even said like, I wasn't comfortable there anyway, but like, this is what you thought you wanted. And then it just like, like I have chills and what a beautiful lesson. This whole podcast is really great because it's super vulnerable and real. And like, just the, the people who have gone through things like you've gone through, um, which I have too, I've been let go. I've been, um, rejected from teams. You know what I mean? Like I was in groups where, you know, I went on vacation one time and, you know, they all stopped responding to the group chat. And for my whole vacation, I thought I was like, what did I do? And I cried myself to sleep every single night because I felt completely rejected from that group. And then I I came home and they had taken all of my color. They had taken all of my stuff and they were just like, you're not welcome to work here anymore. Like we don't fuck with you. And I could tell this story, like a long story, but this is like from when I went to, from one place to another, right before I opened GBH, but that was the last straw for me. Um, I was like, I need to build my own culture. I can't stand other people's culture. Like I need to be the leader. I can't like do this, but like I had so many breaking points and I had so many, um, you know, things happen where I felt that same feeling and I can relate to you. So I can't even imagine how many people listening 
who can relate to not just one part of your journey, but so many different parts of it. And I honor you for sharing it so vulnerably and being real about like what you went through. And, you know, that salon owners listening, like, you know, we build a lot. Like I understand that, but even thinking of like her reaction to being sued for just trying to make a living. Like, can you imagine like yeah. when you even said that I got chilled, I was like, oh my God, like I couldn't even imagine having somebody and then not even just somebody, but somebody that you were like really looking to work with and like having like that happen. Like having someone like, I just looked up so much to like, I put them on such a high pedestal. And that's like something I'm working at is like not putting people on pedestals because it gives them like a lot of, um, power over you when I need to be like hey like I'm my own person and you can't hold people above you because then they have all the power to smush you down yeah Um, and people like you said people are coming to you for you it's not the salon it's not the fancy products that you use it's you it's really um that was like such a crazy and like such a great revelation for me like in my um journey to have that and um having like all my clients be like oh no and like I was so surprised for like some people that like followed me um I'm like is wow like she still wants to see me like um I even like lowered my prices like way down because I was like I'm starting over (laughs) like I um I couldn't believe it and if anyone had ever told me like you're gonna get handed unemployment paperwork I would have laughed at their face a couple years ago because I was like I'm so engulfed in my career like um this year I'm working on it but like there was like nothing else to me but my work and that was it now I'm trying not to have that but um because you hustled to get where you are you literally are the epitome of go out kill something and bring it home like you earned what you have Greta thank you (laughs) Um, you should be really proud yeah, of yourself. Yeah, that was, um, thanks so much, Gina. You too. Um, thank you. It takes a lot to do it. And then like the shame of having to like, now I have to tell my clients I move somewhere else. And I have some clients that come to me and they're like, you know, I've seen you in a different salon. I, like I have some people that see me like once a year and they're like, I've only seen you in a different salon every time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to like, you know, keep you on your toes of like where to find me. But um, just, but also social media is so amazing for communication because um, I didn't text anyone anything. I just put something out there and was like, hey, this is um, where I'm now going to be. If you want anything from me, go in my DMs or you could text me here. And then everyone's like, hey, an appointment on uh, the 26th. Like, are we still on? I'm like, yep here you go. Like I plugged in your information. Like that's like, um, and thank God we have, we have that. Cause imagine back in the day, if any of this stuff happened or if like we were moving this often, like you were lucky if you were able to sneak their phone number in the book in the back room, you know? Oh yeah. I left my first salon that I was at with nothing. And my second salon. You have to rebuild. Yeah. I left my second salon with nothing and only like Facebook you know, but I had GinaBiancaHair.com and every single thing I posted, GinaBiancaHair.com, GinaBiancaHair.com, hair doctor, hair doctor. And like, I was like, you will motherfucking know my name. You know what I mean? Like, 
they do they do because i put it out there like it's not an accident and i say that all the time i'm like it is no accident when you see someone who's successful and somebody who has it going on with their business like when i see and i always bring it up to you and to anybody when i talk about you like when i see you how busy you are with your ideal customer flooding through the door and your pictures and you know it's not an accident it's hard work and it's dedication to the craft it's getting better all the time and um I think you set a really, really good example for what's possible for any stylist. Um, you know, I really think that you're a really good role model and mentor and your vulnerability and courage to share your story, even the the parts, you know, when we were talking about doing this, I was like, I want to talk about the fact that I didn't hire you and I was a fucking idiot and I, how you still. No, you, you weren't. <laughs> you took, no, but you took that and you became you took that and you just continued your journey and um you know you went through even more and you took that and you continued your journey and you still have the clientele and you had to realize you know in other ways like they're coming to you for you does not matter where you are if you have that genuine connection that's how you build a true clientele absolutely i couldn't agree more it's um I remember I made like a little like um I used to be into like showing like like um little like Instagram posts about like part of my story and I had wrote that I I really wanted to work at a salon when I was first starting out but I um was like um basically like just like a thing of rejection talking about um I how like cried. Steve Jobs was <laughs> no, I messaged I did, you I like made it as vague as <laughs> I made it as vague as possible mm -hmm. so that like and it was about that, but like I was like, you know, I never knew it. know it's about that. And I'm like, she's so busy, like she won't mm -hmm. even like probably see it. Regretted it from <laughs> and, that um, moment. I regretted it. I know I said not to cut each other off on this because it sounds like shit, but I knew from that moment, the moment I made the decision that it was a wrong fucking decision. And then I saw that post no. and I messaged um, you and I was like, no. So funny. But then um, I was just like, oh, Michael Jordan, like, didn't get his, like, high school basketball team, like, wasn't um, invited on to, like, varsity basketball. And, like, Steve Jobs got fired from Apple <laughs> and, like, stuff like that. And, like, that's what has to push you to, like, keep going and, like, keep being innovated. And um, it drove me so much, though. Like, rejection, like, really drives me. It, um, it really, like, unfortunately, like, sometimes that's the kick in the ass that we need that um we need to go somewhere so if everything went amazing like I would be nowhere near where I'm at right now like if everything went how I wanted so if you're starting out and like you're getting really discouraged or like you didn't get somewhere like I know that it's for the best right now and like it's all like it really is all for a reason as corny as that is but yeah then Gina messaged me after I made that post and I was like oh my god she hates me I feel no. so bad that like and you were just so real and that was like our first time making like not amends but I always thought like me like you didn't like me after that or whatnot and like I just kind of watched you from the sidelines and um I was embarrassed didn't know like where our feelings were no What's I, was that? I was embarrassed no I I just um and then I remember um Gina's fiance and my boyfriend are good friends from high school so I was going over Gina's house um one day um for a gathering and I was like oh my god like I hope <laughs> I hope she doesn't mind that I'm here 
Oh my God. But and no, she was so cool. Literally 90% of my time, I'm just like, I wonder how I can get Greta to come work here after I was such a dick to her. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Isn't it amazing that we don't even know? Like this full circle. It's just full circle. And like, it's so crazy because we never even talked. We talked about this like a little bit, but like not to this extent. And we're doing it on the podcast. And I'm glad that we are. But I want to end it with, um, you know, this was a beautiful episode. It's like my favorite interview I've done because it's real. Um, it's talking about stuff for stylists that people need to talk about and we were saying from the beginning, um, when we were kind of building the episode and, and outlining it, um, you know, graduating from hair school, the way that the industry has changed, there's more booth rental than commission. It's kind of hard to find a mentor. It's kind of hard to just walk into a salon and build your books. Like it's difficult to be a stylist today. That doesn't mean you shouldn't, but, uh, it is difficult. And I think that this episode really lays out in reality like how to build that dream clientele and how to you know adapt when when things don't go your way because you know temporary defeat is not over overall fail, failure just because something doesn't go your way one time doesn't mean you have to give up and I think that um, it's inspiring that you're sharing your story and um, let's end it on you know what do you hope for the future generation of hairstylists or what, what message do you have for them or what do you hope for them? Um, I hope for the next generation of stylists that they keep with um, good boundaries and protecting their peace, a job that can attract some chaotic energy from people. Like when people feel broken, the first place they want to go is the hair salon. And sometimes like that, um, that energy could rub off on you and like sometimes the wrong way and like drag you down. Such an amazing um, career. And I just hope that um, they keep a good boundaries to protect themselves and um, they charge what they're worth because that's another thing with boundaries. Like a lot of people, another thing from like older hairstyles, I see like everyone feels guilty for charging what they're worth and they're fine with um, setting themselves on fire to keep others warm. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you could still be a successful stylist. People will look forward to see you. Um, you could do amazing work and charge your worth and have an amazing life and career. So I just really hope that for them. Me too. I love this. Thank you. This is great. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it so much. Now, where can people find you? Um, tell them your Instagram, where they can find you and follow you. My Instagram is just my name. It's um, at Greta Wagner underscore. Yeah, my Facebook is also just my name. But you could add me on anything. Ask me anything if you have like any questions or anything or need someone to talk to. Would be really happy to help you. I'm not going to say that I've seen it all, but um, definitely don't want anyone to like feel shame through like the natural... Um, the natural journey of being a hairstylist and like this is all okay and it's normal and like we have to talk about this like uncomfortable stuff so that you can know that like you're not alone you're not alone dm her follow her her story is great take her advice we talked about so many ways to build a clientele so many ways to adapt and evolve greta you're so amazing thanks for sharing with us i love you so much thanks gina love you too